All right, we are back. Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount. We are in this section of the Beatitudes. And tonight we're going to be in verse 7. But I want to draw your attention to something really quick if, before we get started, if that's okay. Um, we know that this is the characteristics of the one who's born again, like we talked about on Sunday. These are, these are the characteristics of a Christian. They're, these are the people who will be in heaven. These are the characteristics of those people. The ones that have been born again will be all these things mentioned in these Beatitudes. That's what the blessed one is. And we know that they've built on each other. We know that they are uh, growing on the one that, um, that precedes it. It grows upon the, the next one. They, they are stary, stacking up. They are growing in the sequence here. But something is interesting when we come to this beatitude tonight. Because if we look at it, we've covered four. Blessed are those who pour in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek or gentle, and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That would be the first group of four, if you will. And then we look at verse 7 down, we see merciful, pure in spirit, peacemakers, and those who have been persecuted for righteousness. So even though they're building on one another, and even though um, you can't mourn unless you realize you're poor in spirit, and you can't be meek unless you're mourning for sin, and so on, we know that. But something interesting happens here. If you could take these, and there's eight of them, if you could take the first four and put them on one side, and you take the second four and you put them on the other side, you will find that number one and number five correspond with each other. Number two and number uh, six, three, seven, and four, eight. And what I mean by that is this. The first one we see is blessed are those who are poor in spirit. That is going to directly correlate with what we see tonight. Blessed are the merciful. And then next week when we talk about blessed are those who mourn for their sin, that will be in a, a direct line to those who are pure in heart. Those who are gentle, it's going to correspond to those who are peacemakers. And those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they're going to correspond with those who are going to get persecuted for that pursuit of righteousness. So even though they're building on one another, if we could separate them into two groups of four, they would be parallel with the one they match in the, the previous group. So we are going to mention a little bit tonight about being poor in spirit because being poor in spirit is what is going to catapult us into the one we're going to talk about tonight of being merciful. And it's going to be interesting to see this. And once you see that correlation, it's pretty remarkable. So... One verse, verse 7, chapter 5 of Matthew, here's what it says. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. You've heard that before, uh, but let's look at the depth of it tonight and see how it comes into our lives. Let's pray first. Father, we pray for help tonight. Give us the words to say. Lead us and guide us into truth. And Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would come and teach us all things that is in this verse. Lord, that we could love You more, praise You more, honor You more, and to grow in our 
sanctification. Lord, thank you that you are merciful to us. And Lord, let us be merciful to others. We ask these things in your name. Amen. If you recall what Jesus has done to the people who has been listening to this sermon. He has come and he, what he did to Nicodemus in John 3, he has taken what Nicodemus has thought and what he's known and he's flipped it upside down. Nicodemus thought he could be uh, right before God by self-righteous acts and religious uh, ceremonies. However, Jesus says, that's not what makes you right before God. You must be born again, something you cannot do. And we know that as he's starting with this sermon, these people are proud in spirit. These are the ones who are rich in, in their minds and their spiritual status. And Jesus comes, and what's he do? He flips it, and he says, listen, who's going to be in my kingdom is the one who's actually poor in spirit. Quite the contrast to the people who would have been listening. And then he tells them that who, the next kind of person that's going to be in my kingdom is not only the one who's poor in spirit, but the one who mourns over sin. They weren't mourning over sin. They were rejoicing in sin and, and, and growing a, a more desirous for those sinful things. He flips it on their head and says, you have to be sorrowful and repent. Then he tells them, listen, you also have to be meek and gentle, which is the opposite of what they wanted to do or what they thought was necessary. And he tells them that instead of hungering and thirsting for self-righteousness, know that you have to hunger and thirst for the righteousness of Christ. So everything he's saying is, is just flipped upside down to what they would have been thinking or pursuing. And tonight is no different. He tells these people here listening to this sermon, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And we think about the groups here that are represented. We know that there are Pharisees here. And there are and the ones that are in control of this area, in control of the Jewish people, are the Romans. And when you begin to look at the Pharisees, and you begin to look at the Romans, there's one word that you don't describe, used to describe those people. Merciful. They are barbarians. Uh, these are the ones who believe that showing mercy or kindness to someone is a sign of weakness. And we see this in even how the, the Pharisees treat the Gentiles, how they respond to them. There's no, there's no mercy there. It's, uh, we, we think these are uh, dirty people who don't deserve anything. They don't even deserve to be in the same place as us, let alone us having mercy upon them. And the Romans were the same way. They were brutal, and, and they thought that being merciful to someone was a sign of weakness. So here comes Jesus and says, here's the other characteristic of the one who's blessed. Here's a characteristic of the one who will be in my kingdom, the merciful. So we have to understand who he's talking to, the groups involved, and what it would have sounded like to these people. But he says, blessed are the merciful. But now, we, if you remember, we have to go back because this beatitude, blessed are the merciful, corresponds with blessed are the poor in spirit. And in a real sense, here's what happens. And we've discussed this, so we won't spend an enormous amount of time detailing this again. But when the Holy Spirit convicts us and begins to uh, cause us to be uh, brought to spiritual life, we understand that we are spiritually bankrupt. 
that we are poverty stricken in our self, in our righteousness, which is his filthy garments. And in a real sense, not only are we in poverty in our spiritual status, but we're beggars. You know, I've heard the old expression that a Christian should never be proud because we are just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And this is what happens when we're poor in spirit, that we come before God Almighty and we say that we have nothing that you uh, would see in us. There's nothing that I can bring to you and say, look, this merits you to show mercy upon me. There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we can bring that would say to God, oh yes, He deserves mercy. And when we're poor in spirit, it is like the beggar on the street who understands his spiritual status and he's just head down begging for mercy under the hand of Almighty God. And what does God do? Not because of anything we've done, but He looks down to these beggars. And not that He has to. Not that He's required to. Not because they deserve it. But to the Blessed One, He shows them mercy. You see, that's why the poor in spirit are then required to be merciful to others because God has mercyed them. God has heard your cry and when you are begging and pleading and crying out for mercy, He shows you mercy. There's the vertical. We then turn that and take it and we show mercy to others. And here's the, here's the actual reality of this. If we can't show mercy to others, then there's a really good indication that we've probably not experienced the mercy of God. Because these people who have been mercied will then show mercy. That's what he mentions here. And I just want you to hear some of these verses about God rescuing the poor in spirit, the spiritual beggars, the paupers, if you will, by His mercy. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 7 says this, For we also were once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of our God and Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in our own righteousness, but according to His mercy. That is how we are saved by His mercy. By the washing of regeneration and by the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Again, when we understand how poor in spirit we are, and we understand that it is nothing we've done, but according to His mercy, that you and I are Christians. Ephesians 2, we read this on Sunday, we read it all the time. But in verse 4, it says, well, the verse preceding it tells the verses preceding it tells us that our status before our time of rebirth and how we are walking in disobedience and by nature we're deserving of wrath. But in verse four it says, "But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, here comes being born again." What did He do? He made us alive together with Christ. 
by grace you've been saved. You see, it's mercy. We are spiritual paupers. We are spiritually bankrupt. We have nothing to bring except for a hand reaching out and saying, have mercy on me. We've been mercied and that's why we're Christians. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3-4 through says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again. Why are you born again? Not by works, not because you did something, not because I did something, but because of His great mercy. Romans 9, verse 14 through 15 says, What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. For He says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. God is free to do that. God is free to show mercy whom He wants to show mercy upon, and He's free to not show mercy on anyone that He does not want to show mercy on. You see, we must understand that for mercy to be mercy, justice is due. It's either mercy or it's justice. We deserve justice, which would have been eternal separation from God, but He mercied us. And He says then in verse 16, so it it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. For the Scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. Verse 18, So then he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. God is free to do that. He can show mercy, and he can harden hearts. He is the potter. If we demand mercy, it's no longer mercy. Well, then you say to me, why does he still find fault? For who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this, will it? Or does not the potter have the right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? Just so there's no mistake in that. Yeah, yeah, the the potter has full right to do what he wants with the clay. It says, what if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And why did he do that? He did that so to make known the riches of his glory upon who? Vessels of mercy. These are the blessed ones. That he could show his mercy upon these vessels of mercy which He prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom He called, not only from the Jews only, but also from among the Gentiles. Again, these are His called people. These are His elect. These are the ones that He shows mercy upon. Vessels of mercy. You see, to truly understand how to be merciful to others, we must look vertically. And if we understand the mercy that God has shown on us, it changes how we show mercy to others. And if we don't show mercy to others, then we don't understand the mercy that God has shown us. And if we don't extend mercy, there may be even a chance that we've never been mercied ourselves. God shows mercy to whom He desires. 
And he shows mercy to his people, his children. And we see this daily. Do you realize that God shows us mercy every day? Not only does he show us mercy salvifically in, in salvation, that is a mercy that, is, that supersedes all mercies. But he shows you mercy every day. That breath you just took, that's a merciful God. The things that he's allowed you to experience and enjoy today, that's a merciful God. And this is what the Bible tells us. He shows us mercy. When he forgives us, that's a merciful God. Psalm 103 tells us that he does, he's like a father who pities his children, has compassion on those who fear him and they fail and they fall. He pities them. He has mercy and compassion on them. And we see this picked up in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, where he says, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Have you ever needed help? Have you ever came before the throne of God and, and cried out to Him and, and poured out to God? Well, the fact that you can even have that privilege, that's mercy. And the fact that He hears your prayer, that's mercy. And the Bible says because He came and, and He's interceding for those who are His, that we have this amazing privilege to be able to go before His throne so that we may receive mercy and grace. And when you wake up tomorrow and you don't want to get out of bed or you've got something you don't want to do or, or maybe it's the greatest day in the world because you've got big plans, no matter what the situation, no matter what the day holds, no matter what the weather looks like, no matter what happens, here's what we know of. When we wake up tomorrow, the mercies of God are new every day. You don't have to wake up and wonder, well, is God going to be merciful to me today? Is He going to be compassionate on me today? If you're His children, yes, He is. This is what it says in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22-23. through 23, The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease for His compassions. That can also be translated into the mercy. For His compassions or His mercies never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You will see that God is relentless in mercy. Not only does He mercy us when we are sinners, when we don't deserve anything, when we deserve wrath and justice to His people, He shows mercy. Not because we deserve it, but He shows us mercy when justice was due. And He does merciful things to us every day. And we're to be like Him. We're to look up and see the mercy to which He's given us. That we are poor in spirit as beggars who've received this mercy and then we in return look to our fellow human beings and offer that same mercy. It is the vertical and it's the horizontal. You'll see this theme running through Scripture, won't you? If you don't understand this, if you don't understand the vertical, you can't perform the horizontal. And if you've never been changed vertically, you can try and try and try and try and try to do it in your own work, try to produce these things from a, a, a heart of not regeneration if he's never touched you. You'll never do it. These things can only be produced the way they're supposed to be produced by a heart that's been changed. And if you've not been changed by God and he's not had salvific mercy on you, then you could try all day long and you're never going to do it like God has called us to do it. Blessed are the merciful. These are the Christians. 
And one of the greatest evidences that we have that God has shown mercy to us, that God has saved us, one of the greatest evidences we have is do we show mercy to others? This sometimes gets hard because I know what you're thinking because I've thought it too. Maybe you've heard this come out of your mouth before because I know it's come out of my mouth. And if it's not come out of my mouth, I know it's been in my mind and that's just as bad. I may not say it, but it's there. Maybe you've uttered these words. Yeah, but they don't deserve it. They don't deserve that mercy. They don't deserve for me to show them mercy or kindness or forgiveness. Let's back up. Let's rewind it all the way back to those who are poor in spirit. When you realize you're spiritually bankrupt and your whole salvation rests on this God extending mercy to you. Here's what we do know. There's not one human being that ever deserves the mercy of God. And so quickly we forget that. So quickly we forget that we never deserved God to forgive us, to save us, to change us, to rescue us, to have mercy on us. And the same people who have been forgiven the most have been shown the most mercy. The blessed ones are the ones who've been shown the most mercy of any creatures on this planet. We don't deserve mercy, but then we turn to our fellow person and we say, I'm not showing you mercy. You don't deserve that. That's because we quickly forget how poor in spirit we were and still are how God has mercied us when we didn't deserve it. If, we, if God showed us mercy with the same rationale that we show others mercy, we're all doomed. We're all doomed. But see, this is what makes the Christian different. All those verses in the New Testament that say, well, yeah, even the pagans are nice to those who are nice to them. Even the pagans treat those who are nice to them good. But what about when they don't? What if someone doesn't deserve kindness in the world's eyes or deserves mercy or compassion or pity. Well, the true Christian will say to themselves and they'll remember that they didn't deserve mercy either. And from that born-again heart, they will then offer mercy to those because they know that they do deserve mercy at all. And as we begin to understand the mercy that God has given to us, these beggars who are pleading for His mercy when we understand we're poor in spirit, mercy will begin to then flow out of us. If, if, if the formula to be found is, how do I show more mercy? How, how, do I be, how do I become more merciful as a Christian? I think the greatest thing that we can do is go back and understand our condition before Christ saved us and understand the mercy that He showed. Because if you can understand that, that will begin to flow out of you. It is from God. It is a recognition of the mercy that He has shown which extends to the others. And the heart that is truly thankful and grateful for the mercy of God, the mercy is not only in salvation but every day, they will want to show mercy to others because we are to be like Christ. And if one does not extend or show mercy, I mean, never, never shows mercy, never extends this, then the question has to arise, and it's a serious question. And it's a hard question. 
has God ever shown them salvific mercy? Because the merciful are the blessed ones and they will show mercy. You see, we know by the fruit that is produced is what the Bible tells us. Like I said, we didn't deserve mercy. Sometimes those we encounter may not either, but that's why it's mercy. If they got what they deserved or we got what we deserved, that'd be called justice. And every person that's in hell, people will say, well, God didn't show mercy on them. That's not fair. No, that's perfect justice. They get what is due to them. Every person in the hell is given perfect, righteous justice. And the ones who are in heaven, they're the ones who's had mercy, not justice. Hell will be full of ones who receive justice. Heaven is a place of those who receive mercy. And then we look at verses that tell us to be merciful to others. And we see this in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 12-15. It says, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 14. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. And I thought there was a beautiful summary here um, to explain that a little bit better. I'll read it. It says, If we do not forgive those who ask for our forgiveness, we show that we have not really seen our own need of God's forgiveness. And if we have really not seen our own need of God's forgiveness, we have not truly asked the Lord to show us mercy. Simply put, if we do not forgive, we are setting a higher bar than God does. We are exalting ourselves as better than other sinners in the Lord's eyes, revealing that we have likely not understood the grace of God at all. We show that we are not relying on the Father's promises alone, but are instead trying to bring something before God to earn His favor. We are depicting an attitude that says, I deserve God's forgiveness, but others do not. In sum, if we persist in withholding our forgiveness from repentant people, we reveal that we do not know Christ. If we have been forgiven by the Lord in Christ, we will forgive others. Again, these are the blessed ones. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other. And how do we do that? Just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. You're to forgive others. You're to show mercy on others, have compassion on others, as Christ has done to you. And then we find a verse in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 13. It says this, For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Listen to that again. Judgment will be merciless to the one who shows no mercy. For mercy triumphs over judgment. Showing mercy is a characteristic of the one who's born again or from above. An unforgiving heart is an unforgiven heart. These are very serious words. Again, you'll see the theme though. It goes back to being poor in spirit. These two connect. Being merciful to others going back to the mercy that God showed us when we were poor in spirit as beggars and completely dependent on His mercy for salvation. Jude, verse 20-25 through 25 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, 
waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. There's the end result of this mercy. We've talked about it before that these beatitudes, their end result is eternal. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they'll be comforted when God wipes away every tear and we are in His presence. Blessed are the gentle, they shall inherit the earth. There's the kingdom of God. So on and so forth. And we see that the, the, the ending of this mercy, the final fulfillment of this mercy is that we get to be in heaven with this merciful God. It goes on to say, Have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. One of my favorite two, ver- or two favorite verses of mine in the Bible are verse 24 and through 25. It says, Now to Him, speaking of Christ, you wonder why we believe in the perseverance of saints? Because if it was up to you to keep yourself from stumbling, you would stumble all day long and you would fall and not get there. But listen very carefully who keeps you from stumbling. It is not you. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the security in the hands of the shepherd. It says, Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of His glory blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever Amen. It is the mercy that we have been shown that extends to others. And I want to end with two parables. They're at the bottom of your pages there. The first one I want to read is in Matthew chapter 18. These do not need a lot of explanation because they explain themselves as we read. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Listen to this and listen to the merciful commands of God here. It says, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle account with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. It says, but since he did not have the means to repay, now listen to this, this sounds like a poor beggar, couldn't pay the debt, couldn't pay what was owed. This is us in our spiritual poverty before Christ. But he did not have the means to repay his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. He says, you you can't repay me? Good, we're going to sell you all into slavery. We're going to get a price. I'm going to get my money. 10,000 talents. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. This is the beggar. This is who we are when we understand we're poor in spirit. We cannot repay it. We fall to our face and we say, God, I'm dependent on your mercy. Now look what happens. He owes 10,000 talents here. Begging for mercy. 
And the Lord of the slave felt compassion or mercy and released him and forgave him all the debt. Well, that's what happens in our salvation, isn't it? It says, but that slave, the one who'd been forgiven and set free of this debt of 10,000 talents, now he's been forgiven of this, he's been shown mercy, and now look what he does. Immediately following, it says this, but that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. (laughs) Can you imagine this? So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead, just like he had done previously, with him saying, have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. When you read that, what is your initial emotion? You get aggravated at this guy? You're like, I'm not answering that. Because I know where you're going with it. You've just been forgiven of 10,000 talents by mercy alone. Compassion. The debt has been forgiven. You immediately get up, the one who's been mercied, and you go to one who owes you not even a fraction. And he begs and pleads for mercy just like you did. And quickly forgetting what was just done for you. You don't extend mercy. That's what's happening in this story. This is what we as Christians are not to do. We're the ones who've been forgiven of a lot more than 10,000 talents. We've been forgiven of a debt that we could not pay. We have a debt. We had a debt before the eternal holy God of this universe. Our debt was sin against Him. Our debt was eternal damnation. We could not pay. But we were poor in spirit because the Holy Spirit brought us to spiritual life. We, the blessed one, is the one who understands their poor in spirit, falls down like this man and says, I plead for mercy. That's why these are compared, these are why they go together. Poor in spirit and merciful. And God has repaid or paid our debt. He has set us free from the debt more than 10,000 talents. He has paid our eternal sin debt before the holy and righteous God. Let us never be this other man who quickly forgets what God has done for us. The mercy that God has shown upon us. And we turn to someone who has offended us or who does not deserve mercy in our eyes and we don't extend mercy that's because we don't understand the mercy to which we've been shown so when his fellow slaves saw what had happened they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their lord all that had happened then summoning him His Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave in the same way which I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the tortures until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. That's hard. See, that's hard, isn't it? 
Because we know that people have hurt us. We know that people have grieved us. And we know that in our human mind that has exalted us above so many people, we look at people and say, well, they don't deserve it. So therefore, we don't offer it. But that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says, go back and think about what you owed. Think about how much you offended me in your sin. Think about how you still grieve me when you sin. Think about how undeserving and unworthy you were of my mercy. Justice was due, but our God showed mercy. And those whom He's mercied will be merciful to others. This really is a hard one, isn't it? It's hard. This is a tough one. But instead of looking to the other person, look to Christ and the mercy that He's shown upon you. The other one we see is in Luke 10. We know this story very well. It's the Good Samaritan. We know that there were several people that passed Him by. Verse 30 through 37. This story actually starts up a few verses earlier, but we'll just start in verse 30. Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away leaving him half dead. And by chance a priest was coming down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, also when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Let me just say this real quick. You're going to see the word Samaritan in here. And I don't know if we're going to get to it on Sunday or not, but you're going to come in contact. We're going to have a sneak peek of a conversation that Jesus had with a Samaritan woman at a well. And to truly understand this story and to truly understand John 4 with the lady at the well, we have to understand the hatred that the Jewish people had for Samaritans. I mean, they were the religious half-breeds, if you will. They thought they were dirty, horrible people. We'll go in more on that when we get to John 4. But this story has been set up as a Samaritan for a good reason. Because this person here that, that, is, that he's, Jesus is telling this to, this lawyer here, he would have despised the Samaritan. He would have looked down his nose at the Samaritan. He would never in his mind, his natural mind, ever had mercy on a Samaritan because that Samaritan didn't deserve mercy in his mind. So this Samaritan is the crux of the story. We understand that it is the one who would never be shown mercy by these people. But a Samaritan who was on the other side came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and put on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. This Samaritan is taking care of him. Gets him to an inn, bandages his wounds, said, If you need more money, I'll pay for him. And in verse 36, Jesus answered, asked this question. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? Now, remember Jesus says that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Our neighbor is everyone we come in contact with, not your physical neighbor. We're supposed to love them, but it is those you come in contact with. That is 
the fulfillment of that law. We see that in Romans. Which one of these do you think to be the proved to be the neighbor? And verse 37 tells us what we need to know. And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Go and do the same. You've been mercied. Go mercy others. They may not deserve it in your mind, into the world's eyes, but you are to show them mercy because we were shown mercy that we didn't deserve. Again, we must go back to the poor in spirit, to the beggar with his hand out for mercy, and we must carry that on into our attitude and interactions with others. And I said it before as we close that I believe that God is displeased with the blessed ones. His children, His people. Because we have been shown mercy. God has showed the blessed ones mercy that we could never even imagine or comprehend. But what is sadly the case is the ones who've been shown the most mercy are the ones who give mercy the least to others so many times. We ought to be the most merciful people in the world because God has showed us the most mercy. We must remember that we as the blessed ones are the ones who are poor in spirit, who are beggars with our hands outstretched for God's mercy. Those whom God has been merciful to, we are to extend that mercy as this is a characteristic of the regenerate person. And then I want to end with this picture. Because it starts with us being poor in spirit and our only hope is not in ourselves but the mercy of God. And the greatest realization and the fulfillment of mercy is when we who are spiritually poor, the beggar on the street, the pauper, if you will, this is who we are in our spiritual status. And is there anything more merciful than a pauper and one who's a beggar and one who deserves nothing and has nothing? As the gates of glory open up and be invited into the palace of the king from a pauper and a beggar to live forever with the king of kings. That is mercy. And everyone who's poor in spirit and understands that mercy, if you were to ask everyone there that day, that first day in glory, and every other day following, the myriads, the myriads, the thousands upon thousands, if you were to ask, how are you in the presence of the King of Kings? Your answer would be the same. Your answer would resound all through just the eternal glory of heaven. And you know what that answer would be? Of why the, the poor in spirit, the pauper and the beggar can be in the house of the King of Kings. One word. Mercy. Mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be given mercy. This is what he tells us. 
Let us remember who we are. Let us remember that we don't deserve anything. And let us know that the merciful shall receive mercy, not only here on this earth, but when we are allowed to be in the presence of the King of Kings, by mercy and mercy alone. How blessed is that? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, it is challenging. It is difficult. But Lord, let us look to You tonight. Let us look at the mercy that You've shown us. Mercy that we've never deserved or never will deserve. Lord, justice was due upon me, but You offered Your gracious hand of mercy upon me to this spiritual beggar, to this spiritual pauper, spiritually bankrupt, in poverty. Lord, but when I reached up for You, You showed me mercy. Lord, You are a merciful God. And Lord, let us remember that tonight. And Lord, when mercy becomes hard for us to show to others, let us remember the mercy to which You've showed upon us, undeserving. And let us extend mercy to others. Lord, because it pleases You, Blessed are the merciful. The one who is blessed is merciful. And they have received mercy. And will receive it in its final fulfillment. In glory. Again, we praise You and thank You for Your mercy as it is which we are saved by. Help us and strengthen us for this, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.